Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, it is me. We are live. Welcome back, VM Nation. Thank you so much. Guys, this is going to be an amazing episode. You know that I've been in recovery over 33 years. I love talking about recovery. I love talking about mindset. And I'm just getting to learn about plant medicine. So I'm going to be talking to my brother. We're going to be talking about that, dropping some serious knowledge bombs for you guys, especially if you're a veteran, first responder. EMT, you're definitely going to want to listen to this episode. But first, I want to thank our sponsors. Without you guys, you guys make the dream work. So I want to thank Kurt Balish of Balish Woodworks. Guys, if you love quality furniture and any wood quality workings, make sure you check out Balish Woodworks. He does amazing work. And guys, not only is Christmas coming, but Valentine's Day is coming. So make have him make something nice. For your wife, girlfriend, or significant other, they'll make you. They'll make you happy too. Um, and also, um, as we're talking, this gentleman's a firefighter. I'm sure that he's dealt with a lot of people that have had hoarding issues. When you walk into a house with a hoarding issue, sometimes it's hard for them to get out, and sometimes we even lose firefighters because of the hoarding issue. And Miss Tammy Moses of the Hoarding Solution talks to us about hoarding issues and how to help somebody struggling with the hoard. So check out the hoarding solution.com. Gary, my brother, what's going on? How is your day going? Welcome to VM nation. My buddy, Richard, it is awesome. I'm glad to be here. My day is going pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. If I did complain, probably nobody would listen anyways. <laughs> now, as we talked about a little bit earlier, um, you've been on, you've been a firefighter for the last 16 years, but tell us a little bit about, when you were a young, young boy, what was young Gary like? And so to bring us way back. Oh boy. Uh, let's say, let's see, let's see. Young Gary, like Gary, young Gary was almost like old Gary. I've kind of lost him in a halfway through the halfway life cycle. So young Gary is basically a sports fanatic thrill seeker would do anything at least once no matter what it would cost his body broke every bone of body at least once was a freestyle skier soccer player you name it i did every sport known to man and i got into actually health and fitness when i was 14 because i was actually a little chubby my brother used to call me chubby so i says you know what i'm gonna start lifting some weights and basically kick your butt later on down the road so that, that was me i was always i was one of those guys that complained a lot but always driven to do what i what nobody else could do or wanted to do. So now what were you an athlete in high school? I was a soccer player in high school, wrestler in high school. Uh, all hell. I think since, since I was 12, I played soccer continuously. I had to basically played in three levels of soccer. Basically, if you were in high school, I used to play in, in my own age group, the age group above me and the age group above that. So I was looking for, I was looking to get a scholarship to play soccer at a, at a college, but then ended up blowing one of my knees out, playing a little recreational game at high school. And that was the end of that story, especially coming from Canada. The healthcare system up there is not, I would say, uh, unless you're making money, the injuries are, yeah, walk it off. You'll be fine. 
rub some dirt on it. You'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Just, you know, course, don't worry about it. You know, I've interviewed a lot of high high achievers, a lot of um, Navy SEALs, a lot of um, Delta Force operators, and a lot of them come from a background of wrestling because they said it took a lot of determination. It took a lot of discipline, especially this time of year. Um, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, we're eating, getting ready for the holidays. We're eating like pigs, but sometimes the wrestling season runs into Thanksgiving and Christmas. So you're sucking on ice cubes. You know, you're, you're trying to eat broccoli and, uh, you know, turkey and not enjoying the rest. So do you think that that discipline of wrestling helped you in your future? You know what? I really don't know. I'll be honest with you. I think I was always wired this way. I was, I never believed something could not be done. I always believed it could be done. There was a way to do it. There was always something that was inside me that it, there was a, I call it right now, if expressing my business, I call it a fierce, um, how do I say it? Energy I have. I have an anger energy, but it's just because I'm so passionate of trying to get that thing that nobody else can do done. So, so that always drove me to the next thing. If I got beat on the mat, you bet your, you bet your, your, your next paycheck that I'd be working to make sure that the next time I see that guy, I'm not getting beat on the mat. I wanted to be the fastest, the strongest, the quickest, the, you know, it, it, it always, always, always in me. And I think sports in general always did that. You know, there was never like nowadays where everybody gets an award. It was second place is last place. It's that simple. And if you had that mentality, you will always work to better yourself. Even if you never come in first, you will always work to better yourself. So, okay. Well, you know, what was it like, you know, you have a, you have a plan. And of course, like Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Uh, so, you know, you're trying to be this soccer man, soccer star. And then all of a sudden your career is derailed because of injury what was your next step and how did you come back from that mentally? Uh, you know what? I actually, I grew from it to be honest, because I realized that I started teaching myself how to recover and how to rebuild my body, especially like I said, in the beginning, the healthcare system back in Canada wasn't, you know, it wasn't there. There was no surgery. So I blew my knee out. They didn't give you surgery. They give you some, uh, you know, painkillers and some ice and says, like we were talking earlier, just walk it off, rub some dirt on it. So you had to educate yourself on how your body moved. And that's where I became a better how do you say, fitness coach, a better person trying to find the intricacies of how things work so that I can actually always go forward. Even if I hit that wall, I know where I want to go and there's three or four different avenues. So if I know those avenues, as soon as I hit that brick wall, I can slowly shift to one side and go around that wall. Okay. Now we'll talk about, you know, because I, I've coached for the last 30 years and, various athletes from, you know, NFL, Major League Baseball, WWE, so on and so forth. Um, being a coach, what do you, what are some of the main things that people are, that are very successful? What are some of the things that they do that the average person does not do? They understand the pressure. I'm not going to say pressure. They understand the work that entails for that one moment to get that special either win or, or where they want to be. You know, we all go around your coach. I, I was a, I'm a CrossFit coach, Olympic coach. I do CrossFit. It's, it, it, it's something where you have to realize it's going to hurt. 
It's not going to be fun, but the end result is all worth it. I don't know if you, if you, if you had a chance to read a Tim Grover's last book, Winning. I'm, I'm actually listening to it um, as, we, as we speak. That, 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 I, 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 I specifically asked him to try to come on my show, and I reached out to him. It was, I felt like it was, and everybody said it, I felt like he was writing my autobiography. There was no quit. And most top athletes just don't see that quit. They, and when they do end up getting to that goal they want to, they just want it again to the next level. They want to do it again. So they understand that the, the goal for that one day is massive. And that helped in my, my weight training and, and coaching weightlifters because weightlifters, they go in small cycles. You know, you go for that one time at the Olympics, it's four years worth of work. But you know what? You end up building little cycles to actually get little wins all the time. And it's that one day of hard work that you're going to see everything's worthwhile. And, you know, and the reason why I love Tim Grover, um, I'm a big Kobe guy, always been a big Kobe guy. And, you know, he was the Black Mamba. You know, he was that killer instinct. But he was also the guy that would get there two hours early before practice and shoot a thousand sh shots after the game. So he was always that extra, putting in the extra, extra work, extra mile. And I believe that, you know, people that succeed to that level, they have an extra oomph. They have that one extra, you know, like I love when Tim was talking about how Michael Jordan, when he, he won one of the championships, he immediately started talking about the next one. And they're still in the locker room celebrating as the champagne is being poured on him. He's talking about number six. So why do you think, you know, the average person can just be average or they can win once in a while, but they can't win consistently. It's too hard. I'll, I'll be honest. It's like I, I coach my people the same thing. It's just too hard. They, they, it's just that's the basic answer. It's too hard. It hurts too much. It's too hard. And they think that there's nothing achievable after they've already made it. Listen, we don't work for a one-time winning. We work to win all the time. And they don't have that attitude. They see it as one time. Now they can relax. It's the same thing as people who go on a diet. They go on a diet to get to the weight level. They're all happy. What do they do? They screw the diet up, especially this time of season, start eating anything they want. And all of a sudden, the diet goes out the window and they're back where they started. See, guys like us, we're going to eat the same way through the whole season. From It doesn't change because we know the next day if we eat bad, we're going to feel like crap. It's not like we're not going to enjoy ourselves, but we're still going to make sure that we're going to be disciplined enough to go through that season so that we never miss a beat. And a lot of people just think that that's a, how I was told, well, you have to have a life. Well, that is my life. I'm enjoying it. it it's, you know, the people who win all the time, they enjoy your life. They, they, the people who are always working to win, it's not, it's hard. It's painful. We'll be on the ground crying, but technically we enjoy that because we know what the end result will always be. So, okay, now, like you said, you've been a firefighter for the last 16 years. I did over 23 years in the military. You know, when I first came in, I was the young buck. And then eventually I became the old man. Um, but why is it that some people, you know, like, like Kobe did, I think, 12 or 14 years. And he, he was the same way from high school all the way till he, he retired. He had the Mamba mentality. Same thing with Jordan, but a lot of times first responders, police officers, veterans hit that 10 year mark. You know, we're no longer probies. You know, we're still now we're kind of feeling our oats and we, we become kind of fat, dumb and happy. 
<laughs> how do you, you know, with your 16 years in, how do you keep on keeping on and keeping the fire lit? I, I basically I have no choice. I've broken every bone at least once. I If I don't work out and, and keep the fire lit, I feel worse. And if I feel worse, then it, it, it's portrayed in my job. And if it's portrayed in my job, then it's portrayed on the people outside my job. And it just makes everything worse. So it's a it's not just a mindset. And there were, I hate to use the word a lifestyle because I hate that word. It's really not a lifestyle. It's just who we are. It's the people who always stay the same continuously are always driven to actually better themselves. Oh, because I've been 16 years doesn't mean I'm not going to drive myself. Oh, because I've been working out since I was 12 and I'm 50 doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying to do what I'm doing. I'm still going to push myself harder every day to be better than I was yesterday. No matter what, it doesn't matter. That's just who I am. And I built that. And I know what it's, I've had think maybe two years out of my life. I know what it's felt like not to do anything and become, you know, just fat and happy. I wasn't happy. I didn't feel good. You know, I like to feel good. It's it's just the way we do it. All right. So now, um, obviously, you know, I love my first responders. I love my police officers, my firefighters. But unfortunately, a lot of them fight the same demons that veterans fight. You know, um, we see stuff that the normal human being should never see. And a lot of times, you know, there's a thin green line, a thin blue line, a thin red line. We can talk to each other, even, if, you know, but we can't talk to our families. We can't talk to our kids. Um, so what are some of the, because I know that there's a huge upside to being firefighters, but a lot of people don't know what it's like when you get back to the house after coming back from, from a house fire where people, you know, losing five and six people. So what is it like in the firehouse after a major event like that? Oof. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that. <laughs> well, let me put it, let me, let me, I always try to tell everybody else and I try to give them an insight of what firefighters do. Basically, if you actually, if you look at it on TV, firefighters are actually the heroes. They want to be at everybody's little event that like, look, what would you be when you grow old? I want to be a firefighter. He's a hero. Nothing, you know, really bad happens to him. They go into fires on TV. They come out. Everything's cool. Everything's wonderful. Everybody high fives and everything else. That is not reality. And, and I sometimes compare us to the, the military veterans and it's not because I want to downplay what they do, but if you put both TV shows or, or movies side by side, you can take backdraft or, or even platoon, put them side by side, you know, technically what you're signing up for when you go to the military, you've seen it, you've seen, you know, the war movies, you see stuff, you're still going to see stuff you're not used to 100% guaranteed. And I believe in that. But when you sign a, a, a job uh, acceptance for as a firefighter, you're not thinking you're going to see the same thing that the veterans are going to see. And in reality, that's what you're going to, you're going to see. The only difference is, is that you just sign on a dotted line for a guaranteed 20 years. Every third day, you will see something dramatically wrong, bad, uh, totally grossing out or whatever you have to do. For example, I, I always use this as an example we go into a fire fire. People say, people say, you know, fire is not hot. It's extremely hot. If you think it's not hot, you're, 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 
you're telling yourself a lie. So when we pull somebody out of a fire, it's not like you see on TV where the guy just has some little black soot on them. We're pulling them out where the skin's coming off their body. It's getting stuck to our gloves. It's getting stuck in our nose. We hear, we smell the skin burning, the hair burning, everything else. That's only one call in a 24 hour out of 30 years that you're going to see. And that you may get that two calls in that one day. You may next call from immediately from that. You may not have a chance to get a shower. Your next thing you know, you're saving a baby in a pool that's drowning. Next thing you know, you're trying to save somebody's grandma who was just hit by some drunk driver. That's just one day, one day in your life. You've got 20 to 30 years of that in regularly. And so the darkness we see is consistent. It, it's not like you won't see. You're going to see, and it plays on the firefighters tremendously. And to answer your question, I know I kind of went off route. Why would I bring the torment of what I see home to describe it? If you ever seen somebody, like if you know your wife, you know your kids, they cut their fingers like, oh my God, there's blood. You know, they start freaking out and everything else. Why would I bring that home and tell them when they're, they don't want to see, a, you know, a dog that got hit or a baby that got killed. They don't want to know that stuff. So we end up spending 20 to 30 years suppressing our feelings and emotions in the back doing that so we can do our jobs so that we can save the people out there. And I call everybody else and tell everybody else that says, we're like mechanics. You're busted up. We don't see you as a normal human being because we're not allowed to. We can't freak out. We can't go, oh my God, I, I'm so sorry. That We don't have that option. It's okay, how do we fix it now to make sure that you can walk out of the hospital later? And that's the part of the stuff that most people don't understand about firefighters. And, and we signed up for it and nobody told us before we signed up that this was going to happen. Now, like I said, you know, some of my best friends are first responders. And now the average male in the United States lives to 78 years old. The average first responder lives to about 58, 59. So that's a 20 year difference. And I think a lot of it has to do with the suppression of all the feelings and all that stuff like that. So now talk to us, how did you get into the recovery space and why? did you get into the recovery space? Well, I got into the CBD and plant-based medicine space first. And while I was looking into that, I had a guest on my show the other day, Kyle Turley from the NFL. And I saw his, I I was a big fan of his great player. It was an awesome show. Awesome individual. He's doing a lot for the NFL and a lot for a lot of people trying to get off opiates. But I saw his show. If you ever had a chance to see it, uh, he was interviewed on CNN weeds with Dr. Sangupta, Sangupta, And I saw him talking about how he had this problem with opiates and what he was going through and that the cannabis was helping him do that and how he was doing that. While I was watching that show, I found out my daughter was in a car accident. She became addicted to opiates. So I put two and two together. And I says, if I start investigating this plant-based medicine, I have a better chance of not seeing what happens to my daughter, what I see every day at work. I had all the overdoses, I can help her by using this plant-based medicine. Unfortunately, by the time it became legal in the Southeast and in Florida, my daughter overdosed on an opiate uh, medication and I couldn't save her. So that led me into the plant-based medication. Then I started learning about how Florida was actually doing more of a patient brokering with their recovery systems, basically using the, the houses they were staying in, the sober livings. They were just turning the patients in and out, in and out of recovery to sober living, to recovery, sober living, just so they can make money off their insurance. And I said, things need to change. So I decided to go on a full-fledged plant-based, let's change it to plant-based, let's find what else, what else we can do. 
And that's where I jumped on that bag when I'm like, you know what? I'm going to change the way recovery is done in South Florida. Now, for me, you know, like I said, I've been in, I've been in the rooms 30 years now. Thank God I haven't picked up or anything like that. But I started watching the movie Dope Sick with Michael Keaton. And I was blown, blown away about how some people actually moved to Florida because they know that they could just go from doctor to doctor to doctor. Now, also, like I said, I've been in the health and fitness industry for 30 years. And a lot of players from the WWE, NFL, you know, they were able to get their their steroids and stuff like that, you know, including people like Chris Benoit, was able to get their steroids and stuff from doctors from Florida. So it seems like Florida is just wide open. Um, or is that just something maybe I'm reading into? Uh, I don't know if it was wide open, not as readily available as it was out in the, uh, I think it, Listen, being Canadian, I think it's the Mideast, like in, in Ohio and places like that. It was it was more out there that was doing it. But Florida became known for the recovery facility. And like I said, what ended up happening is where else would you want to recover when it's just sunny Florida where the beaches are? But the problem was, is that the medication was so rampant being being produced by the recovery facilities inside the sober livings after they were trying to get them better. My daughter got out of recovery and she told me, she goes, okay. I said, so we're in recovery. Goes, what's going on? She goes, well, I got my, uh, my prescription for Valium and Soma. I'm like, okay, so were we not supposed to get off medications? I'm a little confused on why they're, you're leaving recovery and they're giving you medications. And this is what Florida was all about. And that's why they passed the law two years ago. There's no more allowed patient brokering. You can't actually go and market to the sober living anymore. You got to do it completely different. I think even Lindsay Lohan's dad got popped down here a couple of months ago for doing patient brokering to a recovery facility. It's just so rampant in South Florida because everybody comes here. And then once you go through recovery, you're left on the street. What are you going to do? You, 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 you got no place to go. You live up north, so you got no more money. So you're just going to hit the streets and then end up less than 911. We end up picking you up and taking you to the hospital and stuff. It's it's just really bad. It was bad in Florida and yeah. it needed to be changed. Now, one thing I don't you know understand, you know, thank God I never got hooked on opioids or um, but, you know, I had surgery a little while ago and, you know, I'm going in for surgery and. The doctor's like, all right, we're going to put you out. We're going to give you a little fentanyl. I'm like, wait, bro, bro, you know, I'm in recovery. You know, I got 33 years. I'm not ready to go back for, to day one. And it seems like they had, they couldn't understand because they were like, but we have people coming here looking for opioids and you're trying to tell, tell them no. So it seems like, you know, opioids is a lot of people it's, don't realize how pre prevalent it really is. But I've noticed a lot of times somebody, the doctors will try to get people off opium and now they're hooked on methadone and they're on methadone for 25 years. So all you're go, doing is going from one drug to another drug and you're still a junkie. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. It, 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 that, and that's, I had knee surgery back in June and they automatically gave me pain pain meds and I'm like yeah okay whatever you know give them to me i'm not going to use them you know i went through I, I i used my cbd oil and everything else i had absolutely no problem no pain anything else i said i'm cool with that but it's just easy for the doctors 
So it's just easy to write the prescription and give it to him. And nobody questions him. And that's the biggest thing. And that's one of the biggest things I've had a problem trying to educate a lot of physicians and a lot of people on, on plant-based medicine. Nobody questions the doctors. Nobody asks why. Nobody's, you know, it's, it's being in the fitness industry. You, I'm sure you've heard it from, from your, your people that you train and everything else. You know, you, they hurt themselves and the doctor goes, oh, so you, can't, you shouldn't be squatting anymore. And then they come to you and goes, well, I'm not, the doctor said I can't squat. Okay, so so what are you going to do, stand up for the rest of your life? Because if you sit down and stand up, you're squatting. Did you ask the doctor about that? No. Okay, well, you need to ask these things because the doctors will just use what they've been known in the past. And in the past is, okay, I got pain. I gave them this medication. And you know what? They, they go off on their way. And when they come back, I write them another script. And when they come back, I write another script. And, and so it just becomes redundantly the same consistently. And I keep teaching people, ask the doctors. in. They just don't want to. They take it as if, I hate to use the word, that's if they're God. It's like their word is the end all be all. It's not. You need to do just a little bit of research and you'll find out there is a lot of other better ways for you to actually deal with pain and stuff, including movement, better nutrition that lowers inflammation and plant-based medication. Instead of taking some chemical that A, is going to make you completely whacked out in the first place and, and B, probably give you some other problem they have to take another medication for. Yep. Now we're going to hop in. We're going to talk about that plant medicine because um, I'm very interested in it. But like I said, you know, I am in recovery. So it's kind of like I'm a little bit hesitant, you know, but I have been sent stuff from friends of mine, um, stuff that's THC free. So, um, you know, so talk to us a little bit about CBD. I mean, I people don't realize that doctors don't will not tell you that in your body, everybody has the cannab cannabinoid system but doctors never talk about it. Um, so talk to us about your experiences with CBD um, and the different kinds. I know there's edibles, there's gummies now, there's liquid, there's SIABs, there's all kinds of stuff. So talk to us about your experience and your client's experiences with CBD and plant medicine. Oh, there's so many, there's so many. And just, just like you said, the doctors don't talk about it because they weren't, they weren't taught about it. It's, it's the same thing with nutrition. They're given a couple hours of nutrition and then, you know, they, they're not talking about the real nutrition. The same thing with the physical therapy. They're talked about certain things. They're not talking about a full-fledged real physical therapy. They're only talked about a little bit. But the endocannabinoid system, they're never even taught at all. So they don't know about it. So it's up to us, the people that do the plant-based, to actually teach them. Uh, basically, you have, it's, it's basically a marijuana plant. It's, it's a very simple procedure. It's, it's, it comes from the ground. There's no, no human touch to it. There's no, there's no nothing at it. The only difference with it is basically the medical marijuana is basically the full fledged high THC products, which actually work on CBD one, CB one receptors, CB one receptors are mainly in the brain and work with the nerve ending. So if you like nerve ending pain, kind of like fibromyalgia, myalgia and neuropathy and stuff like that, a THC based product, higher THC product might actually work better for you than a high CBD product. CBD on the other hand, which is anything, which is basically an isolate that you can use from the, they call it the hemp plant. It's still a cannabis plant. The only reason why they call it a hemp plant basically is there's only 0.3% or less THC in it. But you can isolate that and actually have no, absolutely zero THC in it also. But those products actually work on a CB2 receptor. CB2 receptors are basically uh, anti-inflammatory, uh, pain relievers, and works with uh, HDHD and helps you sleep. So 
all that works your system. Basically, your for those who don't understand your endocannabinoid system, it actually levels off or makes your whole body, every other system, it's the one that controls it, which is weird that doctors don't know about it because <laughs> if it controls the rest of the systems, we might want to we might want to learn about it. So they're finding out now that a lot of people are actually endocannabinoid deficient, kind of like being vitamin D deficient. Those cannabinoids are deficient, and that's what's causing a lot of the illnesses out there. And CBD can actually help that. All right. So, like I said, I have a box, and literally, I have a box right here. And um, I actually, you know, he sent me some gummies, he sent me some liquids, he sent me some sobs, and he also, you know, sent me some oils. So, talk to us about why, what, you know, what the different um, products do, the oils. The gummy, the gummies, and why we should pick one over the other? Uh, I don't think you should pick one over the other. Uh, I, I actually, I do something called leveling, which basically, for, for you to understand, if you inhale or vape, it's immediate because it goes straight into your lungs and straight into your system right away. It's the fastest way to get into your to your system. Of course, I don't do like that because I don't like it at all. The second fastest way is actually the oils or the tinctures, they call them. It goes underneath your tongue and goes sublingually into your body. It's the second fastest. It's about to hit your system about 20, maybe 20 to 40 minutes, depending on how much bioavailability you have in your product. That's how fast it'll do it. And the gummies are edible. Usually it'll take about an hour to two hours for it to actually kick in. That's where everybody gets confused because they'll have, they'll take one gummy, say it ain't working, and they'll take another gummy, say it ain't working. Then they'll take a third gummy. And by the third gummy, it starts kicking in. And next thing you know, they all kick in and then they're completely, you know, out of their mind, stuff like that. So you want to be careful with the edibles because it takes a little bit while, more while to actually kick in, but they're longer lasting. So what I normally do is the oil's immediate. So if I have immediate pain, I will take the oil immediately for the immediate pain to subside because it's actually like i said it's a pain reliever and anti-inflammatory so i've got bone on bone basically need two knee replacements so what ends up happening is i will take the oil to stop the pain from the bone on bone and the oil will also reduce the inflammation that the bone on bone is causing so not only will it help with pain it'll help work what's causing the pain which is a cool thing so not not like taking just a pill where it masks this will actually stop the inflammation that's causing the pain. So you get two, two pops for the, for the one. And then I'll actually, a couple hours later, I'll take a couple of gel caps and that'll actually give me a little bit longer. So I'll level it that way. So I keep it in my system longer. Now does the, this THC, I mean, does the CBD actually build up in your system over time? Like a lot of herbs do to where like a lot of times when you take a medicine, it's just in and out of your system. Or does it does it actually build up in your system over time too? Well, here's the thing: what CBD does. The CBD itself, I, I, I try to explain it. It does absolutely nothing for you. So the product that you have does nothing for you. Like where you take other stuff, vitamin D pill, it actually just regulates your vitamin D. The CBD or the cannabidiol that's in the product tells your body how to regulate itself. So it's like a key starting a car. So your body will become at a homeostatic state. So in other words, the more medication, more injuries you have, you're kind of, your body's off kilter. What CBD do will go into your body, find out what system's off kilter, and then start that system to work properly to bring it back to level. Once you're level, you can't get any leveler. So yeah, it'll stay in your system to keep you level. But that's about that's about it. You're not gonna you're not gonna you have any more ups and downs. You can take more if you're feeling more pain, but it's not gonna stop your body from going in a different direction. As where if you take too much medications, you go completely into a different medicate opposite direction. That's why a lot of doctors go, "Oh, we need to redo your medications because you're it's off." 
Well, that doesn't work with CBD. It's your body that does all the work. All right. So now, you know, I was, I was reading your bio and I knew we were going to get together today. And like I said, I'm grateful and I just want to say thank you. Now, I had a conversation with a friend of mine named Chris Nowiski. He used to be a, a wrestler in the WWE. And now he actually um, is a head of, um, I forget which which uh, university, but he does the CTEs. You know, he's the one that pushes, he's at the forefront of the CTE. And that's why, you know, like I'm a big wrestling guy. And when Chris Benoit did what he did, you know, we find out he had a brain of a nine-year-old, 90-year-old man with Alzheimer's. So when I read your your bio and it says it may help with uh, PTSD and CTE, that really popped. So talk to us about how um, plant medicines may help with post-traumatic stress, CTE, other uh, other stuff like that. Well, you'll, you'll notice that if you actually go back and watch you know, the, the Weeds episodes, one I think there's four of them out, it was actually very good. You'll actually see one part where there's a neurologist saying one of the biggest problems with people who use a lot of medication or who have hits to the head is that the brain stops talking to each other. Yeah. And what ends up happening is they start taking medication like opiates to actually build that bridge between the two brains talking, to two sides of the brains talking. Well, that's where the addiction comes in. And that's, you know, Kyle Turley talked about his, his CTE and issues and how he, he's dealt it with, with cannabis. And what ends up happening, they found out that the cannabinoid system, like I said, the product itself, it helps the body repair itself. It started rebuilding those receptors to talk in the brain. So no, they no longer needed to be that bridge of opiates to have that communication. The communication started re, reinvigorating, retalking itself. But more than that is if you actually go into, and this is where a lot of people start freaking out, if you actually go a little bit further than cannabis and start thinking about psychedelics like MDMA, ecstasy, and psilocybin, they're finding more and more studies that those are reopening several pathways to the brain so that the whole brain starts talking. And that's the biggest thing coming out that's going to help PTSD and CTE. And there was one study that actually says his the exact words were, PTSD symptoms through medications like antidepressants, it's treated and only works for treatment about 38% of the time. Well, the study they've done with MDMA ecstasy, they found that 78% of the time, 8% of the time, it was cured. So, so it, they no longer had the symptoms of a PTSD patient. So you've gone from treating symptoms where you continuously have the symptoms for the rest of your life to completely no longer having those systems because your brains are now talking. And that's why the FDA is actually fast-tracking the psychedelics because it's easier for them to fast-track that besides a plant. That's why cannabis is a little bit slow coming at the back, back end because plants can grow any way they want. Well, you know, I did an interview yesterday with a friend of mine. His name is Mr. Neil Conlon. And we were talking about microdosing. And I never heard of it. I never heard it put that way. You know, but I've, you know, unfortunately, I did a lot of acid when I was in the military. So, uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, that's a whole different story. <laughs> it's for another podcast. Yeah, that's for another show. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm real. I'm hearing how ayahuasca, you know, how LSD, how M MDMA, you know, microdosing is really starting to take off and it's really helping a lot of people that are struggling with PTSD and um, possibly CTE and stuff like that. So I, I think 
nature and medicine is starting to come around again. Because for a while they were pushing it and pushing it. Like, you know, um, Tim Ferriss was talking about microdosing 10 years ago. But then it kind of went away. But now it's starting to reemerge. So uh, definitely, if you guys are watching this, make sure you do do, do some research because I think there's some great studies coming out. So last couple questions. How do we find you? How can we get in touch with you? How can we support your mission? Well, I'm currently on, uh, I have my own podcast called Good Dudes Grow. You can go there. It also has a link to my, my CBD site. So if you're looking for some CBD, some good CBD that actually is clean, clear, 100% triple tested uh you know we only give the best of the best that's out there if you're first responder and afraid of dating uh, getting a uh, false reading on a a drug test or something call us we'll have products that you're not going to fail a drug test or or anything else also i have a recovery facility that i'm currently building a out in costa rica for clinical trials for cannabis and psychedelics so you can actually go to promisesrecoverycenters.com you can donate there or any of the products that you buy on our cbd site all the proceeds go to building that facility so we can actually build the facility for first responders and athletes fighting ptsd cte and, and tbis and just one thing so on that last comment that you said about but the, the psychedelics and everything what a lot of people don't know which i wanted everybody to understand all these stuff that we're talking about, psychedelics, LSD, and ecstasy, and everybody's going like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're actually thinking about doing this stuff. They got to remember this was all used back in the 50s and 40s as medical substances before the war on drugs. So this is not new therapies. It, it's not It's not you know something that's just coming out of the blue or, or people are just like, oh, my God, we're just going to take a bunch of LSD. There are clinical studies way in the past. There are, there are psychiatrists that were using it for exactly this purpose. But when the war on drugs came by for, you know, political reasons and every other reason, it canceled all that stuff. And it's we're just reemerging and having the quality of products we're having now is just amazing. Yep. And, you know, things like peyote has been centuries. It's nothing new. It's just new to this country. So my last question is, um, you know, we sh- I live in New Jersey, so um I think we're going to go back back in lockdown, especially with this new COVID variant. And a lot of parents have lost jobs. Um, so they're driving Uber, DoorDash, you know, just trying to make ends meet. So if I ask the average American to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody that's listening to our show right now to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if, if you know, and I'm going to ask a two-part question. If there's somebody out there right now that's either struggling with their mental health or their physical health, what can they do in the next 24 hours to start to get some clarity in their life? Uh, The best thing is find somebody. They can call us for sure. We'll help them guide them to find somebody who actually knows something about plant-based medicine. It's not the cure-all, end-all to everything, but it's it's pretty much almost guaranteed to change to change the way you're feeling, to change the way you're thinking. Just for a side note, I, I missed it, the example of the question you asked before. I have had several firefighters who've come to me on the side and said, listen, if it wasn't for your product, I probably would have hurt myself because I was hearing bad things, bad voices. So if you're stuck in that situation, just reach out to somebody who's actually interested in helping you, not interested in taking money from you. And, and that's that's the best way to do it. And you'll know right away because somebody who asks a bunch of questions before he just sells you something is somebody who's actually really interested in your well-being and not just interested in your pocketbook. 
I love it. Guys, so definitely make sure you check out his podcast. Um, I listen to every episode, by the way. I'm a big fan. Um, Thanks. You know, make sure that you're following Gary. I, he's on Facebook. He's on LinkedIn. He's everywhere. But, guys, just re remember that um, I don't get paid. I don't make any money from this podcast. The only thing I ask, like Gary Vaynerchuk always asks, leave a review, leave a comment. Let us let us know that we're doing the right thing and that, you know, we're helping save lives. So, guys, I just want to say thank you for always showing up. Gary, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. And this will go out again in about another six weeks. So you're going to get tired of seeing me tagging you everywhere. It's all good, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on your show, man. It was great. All right, guys. And remember, vertical momentum. The only way to go is but up. Love you guys. Catch you on the flip. Hey guys, if you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out, hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out it's called vertical momentum coffee it's ass kicking coffee and and it will it will get you moving in the morning so guys if you're interested go to www.richardkaufman.net check us out leave us a note tell us what you'd like and we'll actually send it to you the new website is being built so if you guys want to our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.